Yo MTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the StarCityGames.com Open Series is coming up this weekend in Los Angeles, California. On January 14th and 15th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard Legacy and Draft Opens and compete for the glory, the cash, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in L.A., and we'll see you there. Everybody and welcome to episode 92 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco, and I'm Big Head Joe, and we're back for the new year. We're back. We're back. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, Mike Flores. We're sorry. We hope we hope you're not completely dead. We know uh, it was killing you to not have an episode from us in two weeks, uh, so we apologize. And uh, you know, it, it might happen again. How's that? Um, <laughs> not anytime soon, though. I don't plan on taking large breaks. It's just kind of the holidays, right? Like, yeah. not too much going on. Um, I mean, kind of some stuff going on, but, you know, it felt like a nice little break. Rather, We'd rather have, uh, you know, quality than quantity. Yeah, and I don't feel like we missed much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. feel like, like, I feel like we're, like, coming back and we're going to catch, we're right at last weekend. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. I mean, one of the things that we talked about on last episode, we had Jared Silva on to talk about the, uh, you know, the infraction procedure guide changes. And the night that our episode was posted, they were just like, "Hold, let's just, we're going to put that in the oven a little bit longer. It's not done yet. So um, I'm sure we'll be seeing something probably pretty soon. Um, So that's that's kind of one of the only things that, that has changed since our last episode. Um, we had the very first Star City Games Open Series of the year in Atlanta this past weekend. Uh, SCG Live, I don't know if you caught that, is now in high definition. Oh, yeah. I heard, I saw you tweeting about it. I didn't get to watch much of the coverage this weekend, but I did see your tweets. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Like, when I saw it, I was, like, you know, very excited. So, internally, they're still working on some kinks trying to make it look great because now glare is a is still a problem or still uh, something that they're working on but you know trust me when i say that they're uh they're working on it trying to work out those kinks but cool to see that in uh in hd um so you guys anybody who watched the coverage use guys use guys got to see uh charles gindy win the standard portion of atlanta with uh with delver blade which is uh, we we saw this kind of the standard kind of evolved to this point where illusions was like the best deck. Well, this is illusions without illusions. Um, we were pointing this out back in uh, the final star city open of the year and the invitational back in early December, how, you know, the illusions decks were using less and less illusions. Um, in fact, I want to say, uh, I want to say Prosex deck may have only played phantasmal image as it's only illusion. And that wasn't really, uh, it wasn't the fact that it was an illusion was largely irrelevant. Um, 
So it, you know, it wasn't really an illusions deck, but now it's kind of gone. It's continued that evolution. And instead of playing illusions, cards like Lord of the Unreal and Phantasmal Bear, uh, they're playing more equipment. So Sword of War and Peace is in these decks and Rune Chanter's Pike, which is mm-hmm. pretty crazy. And Chapin actually suggested this kind of idea back when Innistrad first came out. He was actually talking about playing a Delver deck with Rune Chanter's Pike. And yeah. so here it is, you know, months later, we still haven't figured out Innistrad. It's still evolving. Uh, it's kind of, it's a, pretty much the the smallest format, the, the smallest kind of standard format we can have where it's just five sets, you know, just the, right. the core set and the, the previous block and one set. So, you know, standard is never smaller than five sets. Does that sound right? Right. I, I, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of crazy how we have such a small card pool, but the format keeps evolving. We had a mono black control deck show up in the, in the top 16. Um, obviously Wolf run ramp is still around. Human seems to be still uh, fairly popular. There were two of those in the top 16, but uh, you know, the control decks are, are even kind of starting to pop up, but they're being, they're pretty varied. The mono black deck is, is very tap out control. Like, you know, kill your stuff and drop bombs. And it's playing like Phyrexian Obliterator, which is awesome. Obviously, you're playing Mono Black. You better take advantage of the fact that you're playing Mono Black and play something yep. like Phyrexian Obliterator. Um, even a Blue Black Infect deck made the top 16. Um, but there's Esper Control, which essentially Solar Flare has just decided to forget the whole <laughs> Solar Flare idea and just become a, a control deck. And, um, there is a Solar Flare deck in the top eight. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, the, the Esper Control decks, uh, I mean, is that, is, I guess you can consider the, uh, I'm, I'm going to look at the list here because I just clicked it. Um, Which place deck are we looking at here? Okay, I see what you're, you're looking at the Solar Flare in seventh place. Right. Right. Uh, I was, I think, I, I'm looking at Chapin's article and I think he just referred to that as Esper Control. Oh, oh, I think oh, it's called oh. Solar Flare in this, uh, <laughs> in the, the deck lists. Okay. So it's, uh. I'm just looking. Is there unburial rights even in this deck? <laughs> no. See, that's why I don't think it. That's, that's, so that's funny. probably why he called it Esper Control because there's no unburial rights. That's funny. They called it Solar Flare. I just assumed yeah. it'd be one. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, you you kind of you want to trust the deck names, um, but sometimes you get it wrong. And I understand the uh, the difference between this Esper Control list and Solar Flare is pretty much. Unburial rights and Sun white Titan. Sun There's no Zenith. Sun Titans in this deck either. Oh right. Well, this also runs White Sun Zenith. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's different finishers, really, right? It's yeah. Uh, there's no Sun Titan. I'm looking. There's. I'm looking at the sideboard. There's no Unburial rights there either, and uh, no Sun Titans. So, I mean, when I think of Solar Flare, I was always thinking Unburial rights and Sun Titan and Phantasmal right. Image. There's no Phantasmal Image either. So, this is definitely Esper Control and one Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> Yeah, that seems wrong. No, I, I guess it's not wrong, but yeah, I, <laughs> I guess. guess it's right. You know. uh, so uh, the control decks are getting kind of – Chapin, you know, in his most recent article was actually talking about how the metagame is really – the rock, paper, scissors of the metagame is Moreland Haunt, uh, Kessig Wolf Run, and Control. 
Like, it's kind of neat how it all really breaks down to that. Because you go Moreland Haunt decks, you look at, like, Delver, and you look at Humans, and Illusions, the, the decks that actually still stuck with the Illusions uh, theme. And then you have Keswick Wolf Run, which is all pretty much, like, Wolf Run decks, obviously, the namesake of the deck. Um, which, you know, just all kind of the new Valakut, or just, you know, the the ramp deck uh, in the format. And then the rest of the decks, like, the, the rest of the successful decks tend to be control-based. Right. You know, so it's like blue-black, it's not really showing up as often as some of the others, but, you know, there's a Grixis deck and there's an Esper control deck, as we just talked about. So that's the way the format is now. Um, I got to say, like, I'm excited about the way this format looks, but in three weeks, it's going to be entirely different. So right. it's almost like, I mean, th- that's exciting and, you know, on its own, uh, but you almost can't get too excited about this format because it's going to change. We don't know wh- how it's going to change. I don't know. I wonder if, who knows, maybe Delver decks will just completely disappear or maybe they'll get better. Or they'll completely dominate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the one thing that we're, I mean, obviously noticing the trend is that blue-white seems to be the strongest color combination in this format, given you know, regardless of the deck, and there's a variety of different decks. But it seems like mo- most of the blue-white decks are actually aggro. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, there they're, isn't they really, are. There's, I mean, the, Andrew Cuneo played a, a blue-white control deck at Worlds, but you don't, you don't see that very often. You know, if the control versions are either Esper, or they just they don't play white. You know, they're non-white control, as uh, Chapin actually called them in his article. Um, so. It's just interesting because, like you said, blue-white does seem like the most powerful color combination, but it's it's aggressive blue-white. Right. Well, and a lot of that has to do with Geist of St. Traft. And Moreland Taunt. Well, right. Yeah. Geist is blowing up. Like, Geist is, like, in every deck. I think it's, Geist is in the uh, Kessig Wolf Run uh, deck that finished in third place. Oh, really? Let me, I haven't looked no, at that. No, it's not. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I was like, did they – is it – I thought maybe it was a white version and just maybe splashed blue or something. <laughs> I'm like, Really? Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like the nobody, card is- yeah. Well, it's it's not only showing up like a ton in standard, but it's showing up in modern and it's showing up in legacy. Yeah. Uh, the card is the card is good. I mean, it's obviously. I think everybody kind of knew it was good. It was just a matter of how good is it. And for the moment, it's showing its uh, it's showing its muscle. I maybe the format adjusts or maybe the formats plural adjust <laughs> to deal better, uh, deal more with Geist. Um, you know, people aren't playing as much phantasmal image main deck, which is interesting, but people are still playing them in the sideboard. So I guess that's a, uh, that's a uh, hats off to the Geists that are likely to show up. Uh, and I'm talking standard here, but, uh, right. one deck that's missing is, uh, is your deck? Where's Mono Red? I don't know. Where is Mono Red? It's a good question. It's at your house. Yeah, I know. I mean, you figure with a bunch of these like little aggro creatures running around, like Mono Red would be pretty good. Yeah, I guess it's just it, – it's kind of funny when you really look at these decks. Um, they're kind of Mono Red decks with counter spells instead of burn spells. Yeah. You know, like Delta, you know? <laughs> I mean, except they're playing equipment now to kind of beef things up and uh, – you know, it's, it's 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 interesting. I don't know. I'm part of me goes, all right. I want to play this Delver Blade deck because this looks fun. And every so often, I get the 
urge to play something aggressive. Actually, last time I was at your house, you saw me playing Mono Red. It wasn't my deck. I was playing Lloyd's Mono Red deck. But, you know, it was a pretty stock Mono Red list. I was like, I, I don't want to play Control right now. I feel like playing I feel like playing something aggressive. Let me play your Mono Red list. And, uh, man, that even that deck is strong. Like, I hadn't played Mono Red in a long time, probably since... Uh, since Molten Tail Masticore was yeah. the new tech. <laughs> so it was like yeah, that was Scars the last of, time I saw you build one. Yeah, Scars of Mirrodin was the newest set. And um, and I was playing with, like, Koth and things like that. So that's the last time I played Mono Red. But I picked this deck up, and, you know, I'm playing against Lloyd, and I think I, I think we played, like, three games, and I won two of them. The one he won, he he killed me with Inferno Titan. He's playing that rug control list that he, mm-hmm. uh, similar to the one you played at, at the Invitational. I'm assuming it's it's the same deck you actually yeah, same played deck modified. the same physical cards that you played at the Invitational too. Yes. Yeah. Because um, he loaned that to you, I guess. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you know, Inferno Titan wrecked me in the game he won, but I mean, I just, I got mana screwed a couple times, but I had, I had uh, like two shrines and they just kept ticking up. And then when I drew my third land, I was like, pop that shrine at the end of your turn, pop the other shrine. Uh, attack you for one <laughs> you know it was very it was like you're so low on life it ended up in you know, a not mattering those that it seems like such a strong deck but obviously it's uh it's fallen out of the format for now and it, well doing it, what mono red does yeah it's gonna put some ancient grudges in the main deck and it's gonna destroy this top eight yeah, well, it's it's funny. Like people forget about it, and then it pops up again. And it, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see it show up the first uh, the first open event right after Dark Ascension is legal. Yeah. Because will I be attending? Will you w- will you be attending? Will I be attending the first event after Dark Ascension? Is that uh, Cincinnati? Which one is that? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like if it, if if. If I'm attending that event, then yes, Mono oh, Red's gonna show up. Well, I mean, show up in the top sixteen. <laughs> yeah, like I said. <laughs> what, what am I implying there? Um, yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, okay, we have February fourth and fifth is uh, Richmond, so that should be the first. Might the, actually be there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, that's the first open that has Dark Ascension legal. But uh, so speaking of Dark Ascension, we do want to talk about spoilers. Spoilers started this week. Spoilers! Before we get to that, I want to quickly talk about Legacy, because you said something to me before we started recording. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you, you go ahead. I'll let you just take the ball here and uh, oh, right. talk about the Legacy results from from Atlanta. So our top eight, uh, well, first of all, our winner was Tony Chu. Back-to-back. Back-to-back, playing Blue-White Stoneblade with Geist of St. Traft. Um Adam Kai in third place playing Bant Geist. So I don't know how many copies are in that. I'm going to see real quick. Well, Geist is in it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I was uh, three Geist in that deck. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that card's definitely showing up in Legacy. Um, second, finishing out the top eight, uh, second place was David Bauer playing Rug Delver. Uh, Jesse McConaughey playing Zoo in fourth. Uh, fifth place was Roy Beatty playing Punishing Maverick. Sixth place, we have Goblins making a return. Love uh, that, love that. Jonathan Rudd playing that. Uh, Punishing Maverick again in seventh place with Philip Lyons piloting it. Uh, Josh Bergoa in eighth place with Death and Taxes. Um, and then just the rest of the 
lists in the top eight. Another blue white stone blade, Tezzeret Affinity, Dredge Reanimator, blue white stone blade, Rug Delver, Nether Pox, and Nether Pox. Which I, need, I guess I need to look at this deck list because I have no idea what that is. Nether Pox is uh, the list that, or it's it's either identical or you know a couple cards off of the list that Reed Duke played at the Invitational. That um, it's. It looks so fun. It's got Curse Scroll in it, which kind of wrecks the Delver decks uh, and a lot of those kind of decks. It's got Nether Spirit as its only creature, um, and it, it's basically a, a kind of a discard deck. It it, it completely deni- denies your resources. It's got uh, Sinkhole, Smallpox, Pox, Inquisition of Kozilek, Innocent Blood, Him to Torok. It's like, I'm going to wreck your hand, I'm going to wreck your mana base, and if you get a creature into play, I'm going to make you sacrifice it with Liliana or Innocent Blood. Um, it's got dark ritual to kind of get, uh, a jump on, uh, you know, get a jump, kind of accelerate into that stuff a lot earlier. And it, you know, it's got four wastelands and it's got four mistress factories and oh, four sinkholes. Why was that a problem? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> Cause I still need to get my foil sinkhole. <laughs> oh, this is a deck I'm building. I'm actually just a couple cards off right now. Um, I, I love it. I, it just looks so much fun. The only reason I haven't finish putting it together is that I have to find some more herb orgs and uh, I need a couple more wastelands. I mean, I I could just move the wastelands from my other legacy deck, but I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so much fun. So that's cool that that's actually showing up in both 15th and 16th place. That's kind of cool at uh, two lists in the top 16. Um, yeah. The Punishing Maverick deck, I think, is kind of scary. It's just, I mean, the the Maverick decks were already kind of scary, and then they added the Punishing Grove combo, um, and that's, you know, just adding more power to that deck. I wouldn't be surprised to just keep seeing that increase in numbers over the next few weeks. But um, uh, just as I mentioned, Tony Chu, he won the Legacy Open back in Charlotte, uh, the, the Open event that happened at the same time as the Invitational, and he was playing Stoneblade. He, he modified the list somewhat. The Geists were in the sideboard. Now they're mm. main deck, but, uh, you know, he's uh, other modifications as well. But, uh, yeah, Tony Chu, back-to-back Legacy Open wins. It's pretty impressive. So uh, so go on with your, your, your point that you were making. Oh, yeah, I, I don't really have much of a point, but um... – Something looks weird to me about this top 16, and I know there's no oh, Merfolk. They, they, cha- they changed the font. Is that what it was? No, no, the same font. No, it's the, the same font. Same font. Okay, so go ahead. I can tell I can tell it's the same font. It's the same font. I was just trying um, to figure out what looked weird. <laughs> well, I appreciate you helping me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, help me, help you, help me. No, but um, I don't know. Something Something seems off about this list. Is there something missing from this top 16? I mean, there's a lot of variety. I'm not complaining about the format. You know what I mean? But there's something that seems weird. There's no Merfolk for one, but that's not what I think it is. It's kind of been that way for a while. There's no, uh, no counterbalance, no, um, elf, no, no, like no real, there no, no combo, combo decks? decks. I mean, well, Dredge is kind of a combo deck. Reanimator is a combo deck. You can, they're combo decks, but they're not like Storm combo. Um, you know, right. It, it's kind of – it looks like a lot of aggro and control. Reanimator is definitely a combo deck, but it's got such a strong base of control. It's a con- it, right. I think somebody – and it may have been Sam Stoddard uh, – compared it to – it's a blue-black control deck that happens to also kind of just reanimate giant 
guys, you know, but it can right. be a blue-black control deck. But that's it, kind of obvious maybe looking at it. It's, you know, Force of Wills and Brainstorms and Counterspells, you know, uh, various different, you know, days and things like that to, to counter your stuff and uh, and then eventually get something like Jingataxius into play. So um, it, you could argue that it's also – it's kind of a combo control deck. Never really – heard that term <laughs> but yeah uh you know nether pox is very resource denial uh but that's pretty that's like control that's obviously uh keeping you from playing spells or keeping creatures on the board um yeah so it, it, it looks like a lot of aggro and control um is that yeah. what, what you're thinking maybe it, that's it maybe it's just like this severe lack of combo decks you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Storm or of uh, Combo Elves, but to see nothing even like close to that other than Dredge. I mean, I agree with you. Reanimator is a control deck that sometimes has the turn one in Tomb and the turn two Exhum. You know, right? Kind of depends on how aggressive you want to be with the combo, because you know, if you go turn one, I'm on the draw. Uh, turn one. Pass, move to discard. <laughs> you know what I mean. Regret yes. away. Turn to, uh, you know, underground sea reanimate whatever. <laughs> Iona, <laughs> game over. <laughs> Something like that. Um, you know, sometimes you're very aggressive that way. Sometimes you sit there and sculpt your hand with ponders and brainstorms and uh, and just protect your life total until you can get that combo off. But right. I mean, Tezzeret Affinity is obviously just aggro. Um, so yeah, I, maybe that's it. But this is just one event, and uh, you know, despite the appearance of Delver in uh, several decks in this top sixteen, it's not nearly as dominant, I think, as it was. No, I'm not comparing it. But in my memory, it feels to me like Delver was all over the place, and now in this, it's second place and uh, what fourteenth place. Two right. rug Delver lists in, in the top right. sixteen. That's just as many as Nether Pox, and you wouldn't say that's dominating. So, right, it's settled. It's settled in yeah. to to the meta game, which is cool. Like, yeah, I mean, that's how legacy is. Like, things correct themselves, and you know what I mean. Like, right. So that's you know things adjust. So who knows? You know, next week or this weekend in uh, in LA, we may be seeing something. You know, maybe you know three, four combo decks in the top sixteen because. If people aren't prepared for it, that's exactly when the decks. Uh, that's exactly when combo dominates, right? When right. it shows up without people being prepared to stop it. So, uh, I, I guess I thought you might have had like something specific in mind, but you were just kind of vaguely. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> I had nothing specific in mind. Like you were like something's missing. Yeah, I, I wanted to work it out. <laughs> yeah. on, okay. on the cast. Um, yeah, so I guess that's what it is. I guess there's just like a lack of combo decks. Right. All right, let's talk spoilers. Yes. Okay, so do you want to go first? Do you want to pick a card? Okay, I'll pick a random card at random. Just pick a random let's card. see. I'm going to This is pick... for Dark Ascension. For... Oh, Dark, Dark Ascension oh, crap. spoilers. Okay, Don't look at the Avacyn Restored spoilers Sorry. yet because uh, that's right. We're we, not nobody knows that. we have a god book for that. Right, we're not allowed to tell anyone about that. Right. Um, so okay, so at random, let's see. I'm just gonna roll some dice here and say zombie apocalypse. Whoa, that's that's an interesting card. Oh man, I'm lucky it randomly landed on that one. It sounds really scary. It does, and it looks really awesome, and is 
really awesome. So, uh, Zombie Apocalypse. Three black and three. It's a sorcery. It's a rare. Return all zombie creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Then, and this is the best thing that's ever been printed on a magic card, ever. (laughs) Destroy all humans. That's frightening. Oh man, and the and the flavor text is pretty awesome too. There will come a day so dark you will pray for death. On that day your prayers will be answered. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor text in Innistrad is awesome. It's like the best flavor text, some of the stuff. Uh but yeah, that looks that looks like I mean I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if all the flavors actually as soon as you, you said all of it <laughs> as soon as you said that i saw like probably the stupidest flavor text i've seen in this block so far w- on what <laughs> on the flip side of ravenous demon i, Arch- I don't i don't mind that i think it's dumb <laughs> Archdemon of greed well, the price get, is let's... paid the power is mine <laughs> the, the price is paid the power is, is yours but he's like the opposite of Captain Planet. He's a greedy Captain Planet. Well, yeah, since we're mentioning the card, it's basically a new Lord of the Pit. Like, it completely yeah. takes that flavor, which I think is awesome because I think sure. that's, that's great. Like, Lord of the Pit was, was, was great. Like, when we were, you know, playing with Lord of the Pit, we were like, play Breeding Pit so I can sacrifice a creature every turn because I want to play this 7-7 flying first strike demon and, you know, I have to sacrifice something to it. So, Ravenous Demon is a 4-4 four, four for Black Black 3. It's a creature demon rare. And uh, it says, Sacrifice a human, transform ravenous demon. Activate, activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So um, it's, uh, you know, just it's kind of Sarah Angel stats. Not not super impressive. No, uh, no flying or anything. But it flips into a 9-9 flying trample uh, demon, obviously, still. Um at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a human. If you can't, tap Archdemon of Greed, and it deals nine damage to you. Oh yeah, it becomes Archdemon of Greed. That's uh, that's why it says that on the card. <laughs> uh, so very flavorful. Not really gonna see any play. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know because like think about it. Okay, with Lord of the Pit, right? Mm-hmm. You you pay seven mana, right? You mm-hmm. get this guy. The next turn, you have to sacrifice a creature or deal seven damage to you, and then you can attack, right? Uh-huh. Oh, you, I see what you're saying. With Ravenous Demon, he's, he's two black and three. You play him, mm-hmm. and then your next turn, you have him out. He doesn't have summoning sickness. You sacrifice a human, you transform him, and you swing for nine. Yeah, I like so that. So you can get in for nine before this ability ever happens. Right. You know? Um, and then, you know, if you have another human at that point, you can sacrifice it. Or it's going to kill you. <laughs> kill you. <laughs> you summoned a demon and uh, you're surprised that it's killing you. Um, yeah, I, I I, still don't really think it's going to see much play. But that's a good point about it getting, you know, the – it's kind of pseudo haste with the yeah. – uh, you know, you, you play it for five and sacrifice a human and you get the Archdemon of Greed. I, I – it's good for one hit. <laughs> right. Just... If one hit's all you need, you know, then yeah. maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. it's interesting. Um, I'd hate to have to uh, face it down in uh, draft. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – well, I, I think the other thing that 
I didn't notice when I first read it, but immediately realized the second time I read it was it doesn't say sacrifice a creature. It says sacrifice a human, which is even more work. You know, like I love the flavor, but what? A lot of work for a black card. Right. It's like you need to be playing a human and and you know what's going to happen. Like I'm playing against you and you play the archdemon. I let you flip it, and then I kill, keep your humans off the board because now all I have to do is kill your humans, and you have you, – it's just going to kill you. Right. I'm going to lock you under your own archdemon because – Force me to sacrifice it to Liliana. <laughs> right. Use your Liliana on yourself. <laughs> right. That seems like a good play. Even like shock is going to kill most humans. Right. So I'm just saying it's, it's not that difficult to keep humans off the board. I, I'd be willing to uh, – to let you flip your archdemon if I well, can lock you under it. It's tough to keep Invisible Stalker off the board. That's true, but you just just sacrifice it. But that's two hits, or, I guess. You still – yeah, I, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's very flavorful. Is that your way of saying it's a bad card? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it's very flavorful. It used to like, be – it's good and limited, but yeah. – when I used to go, when I used to go door to door canvassing, um, when we'd have a crappy night, we always wanted to be positive about our night. Mm-hmm. So the way the, the the key word for I had a terrible night and nobody gave me money was I met a lot of interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Archdemon of Greed's pretty interesting person. <laughs> pretty interesting. Um, let's stay in black and uh, let's talk Gravecrawler. Yeah, and I, um, I knew you'd love this guy. Well, I love it. I think you'd love it. I, this I love it. Seems to be the uh, kind of the the breakout hit. I think of the early uh, early spoilers. It is a creature zombie, rare, costs one black, and it is a two one that can't block. Uh, you may cast Gravecrawler from your graveyard as long as you control a zombie. So two one for one already good. Yes. Can't block is large, largely irrelevant. Uh, so just getting it once is pretty cool. But if you have a deck that plays more zombies or, you know, play a second grave crawler and then play the first grave crawler again. Right. Like, oh, look at that turn one grave crawler. Oh, you killed it or it died or whatever. Gut shot. Gut shot, something like say. that. Second turn grave crawler, grave crawler out of the graveyard. So uh, I, I think it's. It seems pretty sick. Like, it's just a rare. It's not, like, going to be, like, some crazy high-priced card, but I really like it, and I think it's, uh, there's, there could be a lot of applications for it, just being able to reuse it. Um, I think somebody was talking about Grim Grim, uh, using it with that, actually. Oh, wow. Grim Grin, not Grim Grim. Grim (laughs) Grim. Whatever I just said. Grimgrin, you need to sacrifice a creature to untap it, but you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, so, you know, you every turn, he's a zombie warrior. So every turn, you just, like, basically pay one, sacrifice the Gravecrawler, untap Grimgrin, and, you know, put a counter on it. Attack, destroy target creature, defending player controls, put a plus one, plus one counter on Grimgrin. Uh, you know, you could play the Gravecrawler then, sacrifice it and untap him and have him there to block as a 7-7. Seven, seven. Now, this is like the turn after he, you know, after you have him. Like, that seems pretty cool. Yeah, that seems really cool. <laughs> so, uh, uh, just neat interactions there. I, I definitely think Gravecrawler's uh, exciting. 
So, uh, your turn. I think it might be time for me to uh, build, build a zombie zombie standard deck. Yes, do it. I mean, we still haven't even seen that much. I know, but I mean, it's it seems like it's it seems like they're pushing they're they're pushing zombies somewhat. Now, how far they're pushing them, I, we don't know yet. I, I right. agree, it's not playable. It's not playable now with no Dark Ascension, but we'll see what happens. I think you should definitely keep an eye out for that because that seems that's definitely your thing. You know, you love yep. love the zombies. So go ahead, pick a pick another card. I think I think I could build a good one just with what we've seen so far, honestly. Um, okay, so I'm going to do a little throwback here to uh, an old an old favorite of mine, and we're going to talk about increasing confusion. All right. Um, now, I think that increasing confusion um, is actually a great card, like in draft or sealed. Honestly, like mm-hmm. not just saying that because I think it's a crappy card, but like it seems like a great finisher. It's very against flavorful. forty card decks. <laughs> is that it's very flavorful? <laughs> it, it is, but I think it's a great finisher against 40 card deck so it's a blue and x it's a rare it's a sorcery target player puts the top x cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard if increasing confusion was cast from a graveyard that player puts twice that many cards into his or her graveyard instead and the flashback cost is the same as the original cost yeah so now you're seeing this is one of the new kind of mechanics of dark ascension is this twist on flashback that if you flash it back or if the card is cast from your graveyard, which obviously is when it's flashed back, it gets some sort of bonus. Right. So like that's that's pretty that's a great like little twist there, something that flashback hasn't done before. And, you know, that's re- kind of ridiculous where you just like, you know, mill you and then mill you two more times. Basically you know what I mean? You get you mill them twice as much, so it's kind of like mill- using the card it's kind of like you're you're casting it three times in this in the case of increasing confusion. Holy crap! You know what I just thought about? What's that? We're going back to Grave Crawler here for a second. Okay. But Grave Crawler with Burning Vengeance, some kind of like black red aggro, um, ish kind of deck, maybe with the Faithless Looting spoilers. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I had uh, another card that I think is going to be really good with Burning Vengeance is Alter the Lost. It's an artifact for three. Uh, it's an uncommon. Enters a battlefield tapped. Add two mana and any combination of colors to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast spells with flashback from a graveyard. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it Burning Vengeance is a card that people have been trying to break. I mean, people, it's seen play in standard. It's seen play, uh, you know, my favorite instance of seeing it is, uh, or instance of that deck is Nick Spagnolo playing a version that looked very similar to a version that I think Chapin suggested in one of his articles uh, early in Innistrad Standard, but um, it, on SCG Live at SCG Baltimore, and he won the game during his opponent's upkeep, or on his own upkeep, I'm sorry, because he was about to, if he if he drew a card, he lost. He didn't have a card left in his library uh, after all. And so great. he won on his own upkeep with Burning Vengeance by flashing stuff back enough to kill his opponent just after untapping. So anyway, Burning Vengeance is a card people are like itching to break and i think you know altar of the lost could, seems like an obvious inclusion in a deck that that wants to cast flashback stuff like this is this is a soul ring kind of card you know obviously it doesn't cost one and you can't use it for anything but two mana of any color that's pretty relevant right uh, any combination of colors so that that's pretty 
relevant there. So, uh, you know, Gravecrawler, obviously, uh, is kind of an interesting inclusion, too. I, I, there's There's got to be a deck. I wonder if, I mean, the, the version that Spagnolo played was Grixis. It was Grixis Burning Vengeance. So Gravecrawler already is in the colors. Um, right. Seems pretty sick. So, uh, so yeah, that's Altar of the Lost that I think might go well in there. Your turn. So um, I want to talk about Chalice of Life, Chalice of Death. Okay. Uh, to. So Chalice of Life is a three-mana artifact. It's an uncommon. Tap, you gain one life. Then if you have at least 10 more life from your starting life total, it's such a weird uh, wording. Yeah. I guess because it works for commander too. You know right. what I mean? Like, so they didn't want to like have like – They you, didn't want it to break like, commander, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Essentially, you're saying 30 life in most cases, most constructed right. formats. So you're like commander, turn three, start this, flip it. <laughs> you lose five. So you, you talk about you, you can f- continue with the card, sorry. Right. So uh, so if you have at least ten more life than your start starting life total, transform Chalice of Life, and it becomes, cleverly enough, Chalice of Death. And uh, it says tap target player loses five life. I think that's an interesting card. I don't know if it's worth a damn, but like. That's a pretty huge flip. You know what I mean? Like, if this thing transforms, like, it's pretty nasty. It's uh, very flavorful, I think. <laughs> it is. I, I don't – I don't – like, all right, pe- people are looking at it going, you know, how th- – this could be great, you know, target player losing five. Like, that's, that is great, but it's so much work. Like, if I'm I, – I, I guess I don't want to say never, you know, you Obviously, it could see play in certain kinds of decks that are very geared towards gaining life. Um, but essentially, it's saying if you ever have 30 life, then you flip it. How are you getting to 30 life? Are you really, uh, you know, sitting there? I mean, I, you could probably build around it. And maybe I'm wrong and somebody's going to prove me wrong. But it's, again, it's one of those, I think it's too much work, at least in standard. I agree. I think mostly, it's too much work, too. I'm mostly talking standard here. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Just you know, just to be clear here, um, you know, there are it's too much work in Magic to be honest with you. But uh, I mean, there are Soul Sisters decks that where? Uh, that were, <laughs> huh? Where? No, I'm just well, kidding. I'm just saying that that have existed in the past, and you know, who knows what kind of other cards we're going to see. It just seems like very rare for anybody to be above uh, at thirty or more life. It might just be one of those cards that it's such a supporting card. Maybe you play it as a one-of or maybe a two-of or something. And if you have it out early, you just sit there kind of gaining life. That's what people are using Pristine Talisman for a lot of times. They're not even using the mana. But make no mistake, it is way worse than Pristine Talisman if it's not flipped or if it's not ever going to flip. Right. <laughs> it's way worse. Um, you've got Timely Reinforcements. You've got Batter Skull. Right, I mean, and like, you've some- got... Drog Skull Reaver, which is the card I want to talk about next. What is that? Drog Skull <laughs> Reaver is the card. It was uh, it's a mythic. It's a creature spirit. This is our first mythic. I think so. Uh, you you look at all the cards. I'm going to read this. You tell me if it's the first mythic. <laughs> um, it's a blue, a white, and five. So it costs seven. Creature spirit, mythic rare. Three five is the power and toughness. It's flying, double strike, lifelink. Whenever you gain life, draw a card. 
So this seems ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, I I want to hedge my excitement because <laughs> it costs seven. And all right, well let's just look at let's look at the upside. All right, it's a three five flying double strike lifelink whenever you gain life draw a card. That's all upside. You right. you swing, you know, you deal six because it's double strike. You gain you draw two cards because you gain three and then you gain three. The way that the way that right. works, the way double strike works, you deal three, gain three, deal three, gain three, and you get to draw a card off of each of those instances of uh, of gaining life. So that's absolutely ridiculous, and you don't need to deal damage to a player. It just needs to deal damage. So even just dropping this and uh, and leaving it back to block, they're not going to want to attack into it. It's one of those things where it's like if they don't have a way to deal with it, that's ridiculous. But uh, and and I guess it's a reasonable way if you if you build a deck with like you know this guy uh timely reinforcements which isn't too bad uh, although if you're playing see if you're playing a deck that gains life timely reinforcements actually gets worse right you know what i mean it's like the first one's probably good the second one's probably terrible sure. uh, so i don't know and then like pristine talisman it's such a stretch um um, can I can I and, add and a then couple you, things? And then you play that with that chalice, so you can flip it and then deal them five. But why not? It's, isn't it much easier to just attack them for five with something? <laughs> sure. Can, um, can I add something cool about yeah. Drog Skull Reaver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things. One, it's in the colors of Solar Flare, and two, uh, it is not legendary, so it may be phantasmal imaged. Oh, that's good. I like that. So I, those are some like, good points. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it and could you totally play a second one, right? You know, your phantasmal image is definitely a good, good point there too. Um, just, just, uh, I mean, the fact that it, you know you could either cast it in Solar Flare late game, or you could reanimate it with Solar Flare. You yeah. know, unburial like, rights definitely. Uh, unburial rights, right? Yeah, exactly. well, I, I, yeah, it's that's a good point that I hadn't considered. It seems, uh, I, I guess, I'm trying to compare it to other creatures, other big bombs in the format right now. We have. The Titans that cost one less and do something way better when they hit play, and if they get removed immediately without attacking, they've already provided some sort of advantage. So they, they're, it seems like Titans are better in every way. You know, if if because if Titans stick around, they're ridiculous too. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Uh, Elish Norn, which doesn't have the Titan ability, but essentially does something pretty strong too, because as soon as she hits play. Not only is she kind of a pseudo overrun for your side of the board, but she clears their side of the board theoretically, or at least severely weakens their side of the board. So even if they kill her immediately, chances are they've lost a couple guys, hopefully, as well. She's kind of – Elish Norn has got Titan-esque stats uh, or a Titan-esque effect on the board without having to attack or even survive past just coming into play. You know what I mean? Draw the Soul Reaver, it needs to live. Even something like Consecrated Sphinx, again, costs one less. And that's what I would closely compare this card to. Right, to draw a card. Yeah, you get to draw two cards, essentially. That does seem like the closest comparison. I think with Consecrated Sphinx, though, it 
even if it just survives through your opponent's draw step. Like even if they top deck removal, you've drawn the cards. So even that, you know, costs one less and is going to give you those cards. So I don't know. It seems like a stretch. I love it. I love the card. I I don't know if it's better than any of the other cards that we're seeing right now, you know, or that we're right. already playing, you know? Right, right. And it is our first mythic that we've seen spoiled, so right. there is um, always that. Yeah, but I, I love it. I just don't know that it's going to work. The the unburial rights thing, you know, the solar flare thing does seem interesting, though. That might be that might be the place where we actually do see it if we do see it in standard. So uh, I'd be excited to see it. Um, your turn. Okay. Uh, let's say let's talk about strangle root geist. Oh, that was my next one. Ah, well, we can skip right to it. Now you get another one. It's a bonus. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think these are all our next one, really. I mean, like, I want to read all of them, but <laughs> no, we're not going to. Um, so Stranglerout Geist um, is two green. It's a 2-1, and it's a spirit, and it's an uncommon. It has haste, and it has undying. So, um, Hey, what's undying? Undying. Oh, undying. undying. What, you've never heard of that? No, I've never heard of that. That's a new mechanic, I think, in Dark Ascension. Oh, man. You, can... you, sh- you should have read the you should have read the reminder text. Yeah, I should have. Oh, well. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so uh, undying is when this creature dies, if it had no plus one, plus one counters on it, return it to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. So it is insist. Yeah. <laughs> It's not persist, it's insist. Yes. It's like, I have a two one. It's like, I'm going to kill it. No, 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 no. Come on. I I have a three two. (laughs) That's great. Now, that's me. You know, like, you know what I think is really an awesome thing about undying creatures? Is that you can build a whole deck around them and call it insisticide? (laughs) No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I love you. Um, no, I think that it absolutely shuts down in fact. Like, wait a minute. Think about it. So if you have a plus one, plus one counter and a minus one, minus one counter on a creature, what mm-hmm. happens? They cancel each other out. Cancel each other out. But it's already the, – they've already discussed this a little bit on Twitter. Apparently, it what happens is it dies with both counters on it, so it doesn't come back. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's, it's a weird rules interaction that they're going to explain in the FAQ, but I've already seen the discussion on Twitter. Uh, Matt Tabak, one of the rules gurus at Wizards, or the rules guru at at Wizards, uh, has tweeted that that's, you know, it's not, I guess, in anticipation of people talking about how it interacts with Infect. Right, okay. Uh, it's going to have both counters on it when it dies, so All right. it still has the plus one, plus one counter on it alongside the minus one, minus one counter, and so it doesn't return. No, that's um, great. I mean, that's a lot more... I, I like that better. You know what I mean? I would right. hate to see, like, an entire, like, archetype go away because of a new mechanic, yeah. you know? Yeah, especially in that's, the same block, right? It's yeah. not like, oh, in modern, this doesn't... Well, the work. same... In the same standard... I am in the same standard, yeah. Format, same format yeah. Right. That would, that would suck. So, no, I'm actually glad it doesn't work like that, but that's totally how I thought it worked. Yeah. So, well, that seems intuitive. That I agree. Like, I think that's that's what I would think it would do. But I, since I've seen the Twitter stuff, I know that I'm 
I know that we're wrong. <laughs> right, right. Or that I'm wrong. You're right because you know because you saw the stuff. Ha uh-huh. Yeah. Now, this is my favorite card that's been spoiled so far, Strangle okay. Disguised. It's, uh, you know, the it's it's a mini Vengevine, I think is what people have called it. Uh, I, I love this. I love this card. I think uh, it reminds me of Bloodgast a little bit. It's got that kind of uh, flavor to it a little bit. Um, Undying, you know, Joe called it Insist referencing the persist mechanic, which anybody who hasn't been playing for a few years, maybe if you've only been playing for a couple of years and you haven't looked back into older formats, persist is a mechanic where if, uh, when the creature died, it would come back with a minus one, minus one counter on it. And then, it, you know, if it died again, it would not come back. And this is just reverse persist, which is, it almost seems super obvious. Uh, right. But I guess that's the, that's you know what they say like the the best kind of technology or the best kind of uh, ideas are the ones that seem obvious in hindsight and I love this this is so so flavorful so cool and I can't wait to play with cards with with undying yeah um, or insist you know <laughs> you like that I, I do like that <laughs> I like it because it's just like I'll play this I'll kill it no I insist. <laughs> <laughs> I insist I'm going to put it back into play. And uh, no. insist was actually originally a uh, card. It was a card from Odyssey. Right. It was the uh, the one that let you play through counters. Right. Right. Yeah. It was. It was, a, it, it was one like green. A, yeah. It, the next card you play, next creature spell you cast this turn can't be countered by spells or abilities. Right. But it's, it's I think kind it's of the same draw thing. A card too. Yeah, um, and draw. It was. A, it's a cantrip. You're right. Um. Next card I want to mention has the uh has kind of another twist on Innistrad mechanics. Soul Caesar is the name of the card. Yes. It's a one three creature spirit, uncommon. Uh it's costs blue blue and three. So five converted mana cost. Uh it's flying. So uh when Soul Caesar deals combat damage to a player, you may transform it. If you do, attach it to target creature that player controls. And uh when it transforms, it's an enchantment aura, and it's called Ghastly Haunting. Uh, enchant creature, you control enchanted creature. So uh, they talked about the way – like they were trying to make like something that possessed something. You know, like they were trying to illustrate the flavor of possession, demonic possession. And I think this is really a neat way to do it. There's an interesting – actually bringing back the haunt mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, which was pretty terrible. Um I don't know that this card is very good. It's it's probably good in uh, in limited. Uh, obviously, like a mind control effect is usually very good in limited. Um, and it costs just as much as mind control at five mana. Requires a little more work, but also I guess gives you the option of just using it as a, a you know a creature if they don't have a guy to control. You're just like I'll just hit you with a one three for a while until you have something I want to steal. Right. That kind of thing. Um, the comparison that I've seen is dominating Lissid, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting. Like it's, uh, it's the rare from Exodus that cost – it was a 1-1 one, one for blue-blue 1. And you could pay blue-blue 1 and tap it. Dominating Lissid loses this ability and becomes an aura enchantment with enchant creature. Attach it to target creature. You may pay blue to end this effect. You control enchanted creature. So very similar kind of – idea where if for those of you who weren't playing back in 1997 uh <laughs> this 
it was like the idea was like these lizards could they were creatures that could kind of turn into enchantments, um, which Did, were very weird. <laughs> have we? Have we? Uh... I'm, try- I'm trying to remember if we've ever mentioned lizards on the podcast before. I think we've said lizards, but we've never actually explained I think we have. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it would be really funny if it were 92 episodes in before we uh, ever, said ever lizards. mentioned <laughs> lizards on the podcast. Yeah, so I, I, it's a neat neat twist on that mechanic. Um, and uh, so that's that's one of the other kind of new things from Dark Ascension. There's There's another new mechanic that we haven't mentioned yet. The fateful hour mechanic is what I'm talking about. Fate. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Gather the townsfolk okay. um, is uh, white and one. It's a sorcery. It's a common. Um, put two one one white human creature tokens onto the battlefield, and that that alone is a pretty cool card. White yeah. and one, two one one humans, pretty good. Nice limited effect too. Yes. Fateful Hour. If you have five or less life, put five of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So uh, Fateful Hour is basically – it's that's universal. It's always if you have five or less life. Right. Um, so if you have five or less life, cards with Fateful Hour do something stronger. Right. You get a um, bonus for being at five or less. Right. Like Thraben Doomsayer. Let's do the other one because okay. I think those are the only two we have, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Two white and one. It's a creature, human cleric. It's a two-two, and it's a rare. Um, you tap it to put a one-one white human creature token onto the battlefield, and a lot of tokens. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Fateful hour. As long as you have five or less life, other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Yeah, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he pops out dudes too. Like a guy that makes other creatures is usually. Something to consider. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of tokens. Speaking of tokens, I did want to mention this card, Increasing Devotion, which Adam Staborski spoiled on his uh, in his Serious Fun column. Um, it's a sorcery for white, white, three. It's a rare. Put five one, one white human creature tokens onto the battlefield. If Increasing Devotion was cast from a graveyard, put ten of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. And it's got flashback for white, white, seven. So it originally costs five. Uh, you flash it back for nine. So uh, that's a lot of guys. So, yeah, it seems like token strategies could really be seeing a push here with cards like this. Um, just just getting, like, five guys for five mana is reasonable, especially if you have cards that are going to pump your creatures. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty huge. I, I kind of – I think Increasing Devotion will see some play. Agreed. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, the only other card I have on the list, which I just want to quickly mention, is Hunger of the Howl Pack. Yes. Uh, which I'm going to bring it up. Right, oh, there it is right there. It's uh, an instant for a green. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Uh, it has Morbid. Put three plus one, plus one counters on that creature instead if a creature died this turn. I just think it's interesting because we don't have giant growth anymore. But if there's – if a creature died, this is a way better giant growth. Way better, yeah. Obviously, they keep the the counters. Um, so I, I just wanted to mention it now that we don't have that pump spell. How good do infect strategies get? Because that was, you know, that that's something that infect strategies lost was giant growth as a pump spell, a one mana pump spell. This is uh, this could be something to consider, you know, if yeah. if you're into that kind of infect green green black infect or whatever strategies. So pretty cool. It- and you know what would be and, and even cooler is that you can 
pump your uh, Ink Moth Nexus, mm-hmm. right, and the counters stay. That's that's awesome too. And you know what else you can do? You can uh, you could hose the Undying mechanic, right? By if giving a, a creature a counter when it's about to die, right? You know. Um, but I, w- I was looking at this. You know, I, I forgot to mention it. We were talking about it. Um, but persist. I think the most famous persist card, or at least the one that's most heavily played, is Kitchen Finks. Right. Which was, of course, uh, a green or white, a green or white, like hybrid green white, hybrid green white one, for a three two. That when it entered the battlefield, you gain two life. So you'd gain two when it came into play, and then it had persist. So you'd gain two again. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised to see like a vampire that's maybe uh, you know black black one three two, undying when it enters the battlefield. Target opponent loses two life. Yeah, you know, Ooh. like it seems like obviously it doesn't the hybrid mana. They're not bringing that back, uh, so it loses something there. Uh, but then if it's a 3-2 and becomes like a 4-3, that it gets a little bit of power back there. And I think making somebody lose two life twice isn't as good as you gaining two life, I think. I mean, I guess it depends on the deck. It's But I, I think Kitchen Finks, the reason people play Kitchen Finks is to soak up damage, right? Like gain some life, block something, gain some life, block something. You know, it was like a crazy uh, weapon against aggro decks. This wouldn't be as good because it, you know it could chump block twice, but you're just you're not gaining life. You're, it's not it's not the same kind of card as Kitchen Finks. But uh, I don't know. It was just an idea. I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see something that has Undying and kind of mirrors Kitchen Finks, since that was such a popular persist card. I think that'd be awesome, and I think it'd be even more awesome if it were a zombie. Yeah, it could be a zombie. I was thinking vampire for the flavor of making them lose two life. Zom- I know. Zombies don't. I just want it to be a zombie. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it enters the battlefield tapped or something. Maybe that. Maybe there's a. <laughs> that, that and it is zombie. a zombie. I, I don't know. It's a zombie with a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Sir. No, I actually. No, you're right. I mean, it's way better flavor flavor wise as, as as a vampire, but, you know. Just yeah. because I want it to fit into this little non existent yeah. zombie deck that I'm going to build. Right. Gotta get my. Uh, Adaptive automatons, yeah, that's good point. Reapers. Right, get get your uh, zombie lords. You know it. Moving on from Dark Ascension because we'll have plenty more, I'm sure, this time next week. I was even, I was even lobbying for uh, delaying the podcast a day so we could uh, have more spoilers to talk have about. More but. spoilers, but we can wait till next we'll week. Save them. We'll save them for next week. We'll accumulate more for next week. So. That's right. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, if you hadn't seen it, which uh, probably everybody has, but for those of you with iOS devices, there is going to be an MTG Toolbox app for uh, iPods, iPhones, and iPads, an official Wizards of the Coast app. That um, is. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Like it, it's it's very similar to SCG Mobile in that you know it allows you to read articles, it keeps track of life totals, and it's got like a gatherer thing. It doesn't have prices because that's not something that Wizards deals with uh, as far as singles prices. But, um, you know, I, I think that's cool. Like, Wizards is finally moving into the uh, the present here. That's <laughs> like, yeah, true. I, I kind of don't know why it took so long. Uh, the, these are, I, You question, you know, you, you think of something like that, and then you look at MTGO and go, oh, well, they're stuck in, like, 1997, so no chance they're going to make it to, you know, <laughs> they're going to make an <laughs> I, iOS app until, like, 2020. 15 at least, right? 
But uh, yeah, it's good to see that they've they've done this. I don't know what the holdup is on Moto. I mean, it's it's a a complex program, but I don't know if that's a good enough excuse for as long as it's taking for them to essentially upgrade it so it doesn't look like something that was literally programmed in the late '90s. Um, it's kind of a shame that such a an awesome company with so many awesome people and and these these people that I think do so many things right could just be so far behind on something like this. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I guess we're still waiting. I know there's a, a new version of the software coming soon. Uh, but I believe it was that that version of the software was previewed in 2009. Yeah. It's going to be uh, ancient looking by the time it comes out. <laughs> I mean, if it looks like what it, what was previewed, it will look great. It looks a lot more like uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers. But I'm just saying, like, what does coming soon mean if we saw it in November 2009? It was on the Magic Show, uh, an episode of the Magic Show, I believe November. It was fall 2009. Yeah. So it's, it's like been over two years, and it's still in beta right now. So I, like I don't know. define soon. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, we were on like what episode four, episode yeah. five by then, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like we just started, and they were like coming soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, soon. I wouldn't call like our entire podcasting career soon so much. I, I think when I saw that or first heard about it, my my impression was that it would be out by like you know summer twenty ten or like summer, or and I was like, oh, well, it'll probably you know, be delayed. It might not be on time, but so fall 2010. No. Well, that, I, I thought that was a reasonable kind of cushion to, yeah, <laughs> to give them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, looking at the positive, there is an iOS app and they did say it's coming later this month. I, I kind of wish they would stop doing this. Like we're going to announce this thing. It's really cool, but we don't exactly know how it's going to work. Uh, we, we like the rules changes and things like that. Yeah. The, the planeswalker points, the pro like, just like points. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, you know, they do this iOS thing, and they're like, "Ooh, now available." I mean, by by now, I mean later <laughs> this month. Why even tell us? Just wait. Just wait till it's ready. Stop. What is what was the point of doing that? Like hyping us up, and now you set yourself up if there's a delay. Look, well, you know, people are I mean, like, "What happened?" Well, they don't, like, announce this, like, oh, by the way, a new set just came out today. I mean, like, they got to at least hype it up. They no, no, at least gotta... people, people know there are new sets coming out, so they hype that up. For But there's nobody was, like, expecting this to come out. Right. Uh, I guess you get two bursts of people talking about it if you, you know, announce it and then release it later. But it, it, I don't know. At least with the sets, you know how many cards are in the set, who the designers are, you know what what date it's being released. That the pre-releases, they're they're sure of it. They don't release information with this vague stuff like they did with this and uh, and the whole debacle with Planeswalker points and the Pro Players Club and even the you know the new worlds kind of World Cup stuff. You know <laughs> that whole thing. So anyway. Let me just real quick, um, we didn't do this before, but I want to kind of just go over a couple of the names of the double-faced cards because the checklist card was spoiled. Yeah. So we've got a couple, like, hints as to what's to come here. Um, and I want to make a prediction. I want to make a prediction that Lamb Holt Elder, mm -hmm. it's a green and two. I'm making a prediction that it transforms and it's uh, has Lan 
War Elder ability tapped add to green. You mean Findhorn Elder? Findhorn Elder, whatever. Same thing. Um, except it's not. So it but, costs the same as much as same as Findhorn Elder, but you have to flip it to get the ability. <laughs> yeah, well, if no spells were cast, it flips, and then it has the tap add two green. Yeah, but I'm that seems saying, terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just predicting that that's what it's going to be. Let me be wrong. I okay, don't care. Okay, so but that's my prediction. Now we know nothing about the card. Um, I'm predicting that it flips and has that ability. It might also be a five-five or something. You know, right? That's like fair. a wear And then also I wanted to uh, mention just two more of the green cards that I love the names of. Uh, Scorned villager is a green and one. And Wolf Bitten Captive is one green. It's a one-drop transform, which, you know, could be pretty good. Um, and then uh, Hunt Master of the Fells um, hangs out down on Thames Street yep. near the Sound Garden. Right. Um, he's a green, a red, and two. Uh, so obviously some sort of werewolf lord, maybe a legendary. I think it's a legendary creature. Um and then isn't there an uh, artifact or something? Yes, Elbrus the Binding Blade and it costs 7. What if it flips into like a creature or something? It's an it looks like it's an equipment, right? It's a blade yeah. or something. So it flips and it's like it's like the haunted trumpet or something, you know? It's like the haunted blade that uh, you know, when it flips it's suddenly a ghost. I hope so. And it's like possessed by uh, – it's it possesses the, the weapon. It's binded somebody. Like somebody's been possessed by it. Yeah. I don't know. Or, it seems like an idea. Trapped, Elbrus is trapped in the blade. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking. So it unleashes that uh, that guy. Elbrus unleashed. Yeah, that would be really funny if that was the name of the card. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Elbrus un- <laughs> unsheathed. <laughs> Yeah, that even works better. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's everything that uh, we've got for spoilers and everything. But we'll uh, we'll obviously have a lot more next week. Upcoming events this weekend: we have Grand Prix Orlando, which is standard. So we'll get nice. to see that how that shakes out. Let's see if Delver Blade. Let's see how many Delver Blade decks show up. Um, I'm uh, personally pulling for Grixis Control to win it. Um, Mono Red. Yeah, maybe we'll see Mono Red show up. Um, also this weekend, Star City Games Open Series hits Los Angeles uh, with Patrick Sullivan and Adrian Sullivan as the commentators. Sullivan and Sullivan. Uh, now in HD. That's a law firm. Check that out. It's a law firm. It is. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So next weekend, uh, SCG comes to DC, January 21st and 22nd. That's uh, Gerard Fabiano and Patrick Chapin on the commentary. And are we going to that? I mean, like... Um, I have to do something on Sunday. I may go on Saturday. Um, so, we might be there on Saturday. Or maybe both days for you. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, I was supposed to do commentary, but I can't. So, uh, right. I couldn't do it the whole weekend. So, Chapin took my place, which seems pretty good for y'all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, of course, the weekend after that, the Dark Ascension pre-release, January 28th and 29th. So... Pretty exciting couple of weeks here. Uh, as you all may be aware, the the SCG Open Series has expanded along with all the GPs. So every weekend is going to have probably at least one event, if not multiple events, happening. Uh, it's pretty exciting to have all these magic events to go to this year or to uh, to monitor from home. 
Yeah, really cool. endless stream of magic coverage. And endless ranks of the, uh, well, I was trying to think of something clever for dead, but nothing rhymes with dead that really applies. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that's all for this week. Well, uh, one more thing. Well, that's not all for this week. Go ahead. Ah, ha, ha. So, uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Brewport Avenue podcast. Um, uh, you know, guys should te- check them out if you haven't already. Uh, my roommate, Travis, is one of the hosts. Um, and, uh, this week they had, uh, they had Bill, Bill Bolden. Bolden right? yeah. They had Bill Bolden and Laura Deemer, uh, pr- promoting the new Spruik album. And, yeah. you know, uh, Bill did the, theme music for our podcast so you know definitely want to check him out uh he's got some new music that he's working on it's not magic related um <clears throat> but you should still check it out uh yeah. and he's talking about it over on the brewport avenue podcast you can find that on uh mtgcast.com yep pretty awesome word so is that everything i think that is actually everything that's everything for oh, this and no, oh wait, one more thing one more thing I want to thank Mark Sun for sending me a Japanese foil subterranean hanger in the mail. Uh, he's an awesome, awesome guy. For sure. Okay, that's actually all. That's actually everything for this week. We are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. You're waiting for me to cut you off again. <laughs> <laughs> They uh, they showed the images of the packs, like the product images and stuff. And I mean, Soren is all over this set. There's got to be a new Soren coming, either here no or Avison restored. No way, not no, no way. It no doesn't way. make sense to be an Avison restored, but I'm just saying, hedging no, my I'm bets. Saying, maybe? There's no way it's going to be in Dark Ascension. There's no way they're going to reprint Soren. No, you don't think so? No, nah, I mean, there's not enough like evidence to to with Soren all over the art. You're being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> like, I realize that. <laughs> You're like, what, bro? No, of course they are. <laughs> I thought you were saying not in Avison Restored at first, but... No, I'll say not in Dark Ascension. <laughs> of course there's going to be. I hope he flips. And I hope he's a zombie. I hope he's the first... Vampire zombie? Type. Vampire zombie, barbarian, dwarf legend. 